And WXDX FM Pittsburgh. This segment of the Mark Madden Show is always sponsored by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956, 84 Lumber. We are going to pull this off. I was going to say something dramatic, like, they said it couldn't be done. Who's they in those equations anyway? Who's the they? I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com, having way too much fun on this particular program today. Maybe the mood just feels a little bit lighter because yesterday was just so dark and depressing with all the Steelers discipline stuff and all the other, that conversation in general. It's just such a turnoff in a lot of ways. Not to bring that up again. We're going to stick with hockey. Not completely. Uh, At the bottom of this hour, we're going to check in with Lance Lysowski. From our website, he covers the Pirates everywhere they go. He's out in Cincinnati. He'll call in uh, with some updates, uh, some significant updates. Uh, the first access to the Pirates in a week, obviously. See if they can keep their really, really high quality of play going against a, a Reds team that's really become revived. And then at 5.30, we are going to talk some Steelers with veteran beatman Dale Lawley. Both of them will be checking in by phone. But you and I, this is different. You and I are going to pull off all the rest of this on hockey. We're going to do this. It's 412-333-9939. So far, the hockey talk has been good. And now the challenge goes to Brandon in the car to see if he can keep that streak going. How are you, Brandon? Hey, DK. Thanks for taking my call, and and thank you so much for the hockey talk in late July. It's fantastic. Appreciate it. Hey, I actually got two questions. Uh-huh. Uh, one, speaking of hockey talk in late July, we're all dying for some hockey activity. I know. <laughs> what in the world is going on with Eric Carlson and Max Pacioretty? I felt like a few weeks ago the, the, the deals were done and they were happening by the end of the week, and now they seem to have completely disappeared. Well, let me tell you what actually disappears this time of year. And this is the, the part that is not like super you know, sexy, dramatic uh, stuff. What at, the people who actually disappear this time of year, for the most part, are the hockey writers themselves. Because this is the time of year that's really slow. Uh, GMs and agents do take breaks, believe it or not. Uh, they take vacations. After that first couple weeks following NHL free agency, which, by the way, which leads to almost everybody of significant signing, you know, or at least you know, pictures becoming a whole lot clearer, and then you're left with a whole lot of, you know, uh, Derek Grant type signings, if you will, <laughs> that everyone goes, whoa, this Derek Grant. Meanwhile, if Derek Grant had happened in the th- second or third day of July, like no one even would have noticed, right? <laughs> right, right. But in this case, it's it's different. And you ask about Carlson and Pacioretty, uh, there's no question in my mind that the Senators are going to move Eric Carlson. Uh, they are such a disaster on so many levels that we could easily, if, if we weren't boring everybody to tears, spend the next two hours just talking about that alone and not repeat anything. Uh, right. he, and he wants out. I think it's more a matter of uh, who can handle him under the cap. The most significant thing from the Penguins' standpoint as it relates to Carlson is that Tampa Bay took really what I think was the remainder of Steve Eiserman's money 
and put it into the Nikita Kucherov extension. So the Lightning are pretty much out there, which is good because that would have just been ridiculous. Right, right. Pacioretty's a different case. I'd almost welcome seeing, hearing, or reading a report that would connect Pacioretty to Pittsburgh in some capacity. I haven't yet. I, I've not seen anything of the kind. Pacioretty's been mentioned in connection to other teams. I've not heard anything myself uh, to connect Pacioretty to the Penguins. Uh, or obviously, I'd be talking about it up, you know, probably for the whole three hours. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like Pacioretty. I think he was uh, beaten down by the situation in Montreal last year. I mean, that team really has so very little when Carey Price isn't in goal. I agree. Uh, and now we're talking about a team that's got seven centers and could use some help on the left side. And, you know, yeah, Pacioretty would be a wonderful fit. Whether or not it's even remotely possible, though, I have no idea. I hope that helped. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. And, uh, Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Let's go to Corey out in Charleroi. You're on 105.9 The X. Hockey talk. Hey, DK. Hi, Corey. Um, I just had two uh, question or comments. Uh, Jack Johnson, I thought he did get along, at least initially, with Trotz because they were on the U.S. national team Olympics. Mm-hmm. And didn't he make him a captain yep. in Columbus? So yep. Was it, was it just his play was so bad last year, nope. or was there some sort of animosity? Nope. Everybody, this, is, this goes across the board, Corey, and I'm glad you brought this up because I assume you heard what I was saying in the first hour yes. on this topic. Uh, everybody gets along with John Tortorella at the start. That's that's what he is. That's who he is. That's what he was with the Rangers. It's what he was out in Vancouver. It's what he's been in Columbus. When he comes in, you know, he's basically, I don't know how far back with hockey you go, but he's like this generation's Mike Keenan. Where everybody, oh, yeah. Okay, where everybody right. thinks they can bring in Iron Mike and solve everything because he's going to crack the whip and show these lazy guys what it's all about. Okay, well, again, that works for a short while. And then people will say, ah, the players will go, we love having this accountability because I was working hard all along, but this guy over here, he wasn't. So they love that at the start until eventually that personality grates on them. And in Tortorella's case, he gets nasty. Now, you've seen some of the stuff that he has said publicly. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's very entertaining in a funny way, but he's also a big-time jerk. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's great for people like me, you know, who are writing about hockey for a living, and we don't have to worry about what we're going to write about that night. Whoa, did you, hear what, what, did you hear what Tortorella said? Whoa, easy lead, right? But for the players, are you kidding me? Do you see the stuff that he said about Calvert in the toilet? No, but I, I've watched all I've watched all the YouTube clips, and they're just you know what funny I'm going to outrageous and I'm crazy gonna, all at the same time. He it was some kind of remark here. Bob's going to look it up. It was a it was about Nick Calvert, who's a pretty hardworking pretty player. player. Yeah, yeah and, he, and remember he gave the Penguins uh, fits in the one playoff series. When Bob looks that up and finds, it, I'm going to read it to you on the air here. But this guy is. I mean, that's one of his hardest-working guys. You mentioned about Jack Johnson being a captain out there. Well, he, he reaches a point with guys, but then it's just never enough, and he right. has to I, dump on you. I agree with you. you that I think, I think a Crosby's relationship with Johnson is like a fresh air for Johnson. It could really help him, though I, I disagree with them giving him five years. I thought that was a bit excessive. I think two or three years would have been fine, but 
for what it's worth. Yeah, but you got to get the player. If you want the player, you got to go get the player. Otherwise, you're taking a pirates-like approach to it, where you just basically say that far. Though it seemed like I I heard nothing of like four or five year deal for. Well, it depends on who you believe. I mean, the agent himself was quoted in the Canadian press as saying that there were multiple teams that were interested. The Penguin he wanted a five year deal that was going to get it done. The Penguin was offered five years. That was the end of it. So here. True to, uh, to to the promise here is the quote from Tortorella about Calvert where he said uh, of his performance in the regular season was, quote, up and down like a toilet seat. <laughs> to which Calvert replied, much to his credit, the only thing that was up and down like a toilet seat was my time on the ice. I'd play 15 minutes one game, then eight the next. If he wants to talk about a toilet seat going up and down, maybe he keeps my minutes more steady. That's magical. How about that? Now, again, we're not talking about, like, they're lazy guys here in Columbus. We're not talking about oh, their no, problem guys. They, they kind of lack high-end skill. Well, not, maybe not so this this past year, but very hardworking. And I also had another question kind of off the It's got to be quick because we've got the uh, calls lined up. Uh, real quick, uh, one prospect that's kind of under the radar in the next couple of years that you've maybe seen or heard that we Penn fans should look out for. Thanks. Um. You know what? I'm going to go with one that's a little bit off the radar, although it isn't if you're subscribed to our site and you're reading Taylor Haas's coverage of the Penguin Systems. Uh, her work on this is unbelievable, the the detail uh, that she offers, and she gets into their personalities too. I'm going to throw in uh, a player that she wrote about recently that I also did a little bit of my own work on, and that's Jan Drozk. He is a Slovenian winger who when I was watching him at development camp, had a first step and then a natural glide to him uh, through the neutral zone uh, that if I had to compare him to somebody, it would be, oh, who's that Swedish winger for Anaheim? Somebody's going to call in and and, and give me the name here, the great possession guy. His name's just uh, skipping my mind here on live radio. Great, uh, great possession Swedish winger out in Anaheim. Reminds me of him. Let's go to Rick in Pensacola while people try to help me out with that. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Rick, how are you? Good. How about you? All right, man. Yeah, just Who's my about, Swedish uh, winger? you got to help me out here. Uh, I have no idea. The guy in Anaheim. Somebody will come through. No, no, not him. Possession guy. Go ahead. Who's next? Go ahead. Go ahead, Rick. Uh, I was wondering about um, like I'm a big Caps fan, and I was just wondering um, what do you think about the Caps like signing Tom Wilson and other guys? Well, I mean, Wilson already played for them. I mean, you just you in terms of just keeping him? Yeah. Do you think they're going to keep him? The Capitals? I yeah. mean, honestly, I I don't. I mean, the Capitals are the Capitals. I'm not I'm not sure what 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 you're asking. They they uh. I, I don't think they're going to be losing anybody significant. I don't think the Capitals are going to be a lesser team uh, going into next season. Uh, they already kept the most important player that there was to keep in John Carlson. Uh, they also they also uh, kept. They lost Brooks Orpik. Yeah, they lost Brooks Orpik, but they wanted to. You know, I mean, Brooks is really at the end of his rope there. I, I don't think the Capitals are going to be any better or worse next year. I also don't think the Capitals are going to be in the top three of the conference next year. I think that's going to be between Tampa Bay and a refreshed, rejuvenated Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's go to Zach in the Pleasant Hills. How are you, Zach? Hey, DK. How are you? All right. Who's my Swedish winger in Anaheim? 
I think you're thinking of Ricard Raquel. No, I'm not. No, that's what Bob thought, too. It's a really long name. Yes, uh, Jakob Silverberg. That's it. Okay. That's okay. who this, this kid reminded me of. That's who. That's yeah, that's what he had that look about him where he skates real tall the way Silverberg does. Uh, solid on the puck. I'm not going to say he's going to be Silverberg, but yeah. very much that style. And and after that session, I walked up to Jim Rutherford and asked if he if he liked the kid. And Rutherford's eyebrows went up and said, "I like him a lot." Was the way he worded it. What's on your mind, Zach? So I got two questions. The first one is, um, do you see any kind of weaknesses or holes in the Penguins roster similar to what we saw last year in the offseason going to the regular season with the third line center that we kind of knew at some point in time during the regular season they were going to try to upgrade? You know, I'll tell you first of all, because this is way more important, I've asked Jim Rutherford uh, that question, and he has acknowledged that the left side is not as strong as the right, but he won't acknowledge and I'm not sure that he should, that the left side is a weakness because, remember, you're starting off with Jake Gensel over there. You have a Stanley Cup, multiple times Stanley Cup champion, and Carl Hagelin who brings you that speed element over there. You're going to slide one of these centers over there. Uh, I happen to think that Derek Broussard might actually be better suited on this team on the left wing because... Correct me, at least from your viewpoint, if you think I'm wrong here, but all I saw from Broussard from the time he arrived in Pittsburgh was him just whirling around the perimeter, right? Yeah, I agree with that, and I felt like he kind of he was one of those guys that really uh, took it was, took a disadvantage due to the lack of ice time that he got. Uh, that hurt. I mean, there's no question about that, but then at the same time, he didn't do much with the ice that you have, so that that's the that's ages-old question. You know, with hockey and the fact that he wasn't able to to kill penalties also hurt him in that regard. And the biggest thing, and and Derek would tell you this himself, uh, and again, not that he complained about it, but he would point it out. There's a difference that he wasn't getting on the first power play, and everywhere that he'd been before, that would be part of what his production was, and that would be part of where his confidence would come from. And that was an adjustment he knew he'd have to make. That and he doesn't mind making it, but it's still an adjustment. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Do you you sound like you're you're identifying a weakness? Do you see one? Well, I was thinking. I didn't. Well, I didn't know if they were looking anywhere close to like any more depth defensemen because I remember whenever Crystal Tang went down. I mean, before he went down in front of the playoffs, they had eight or nine quality depth, you know, defensemen. That's why they were able to compensate so well for when he did go down in the playoffs. And I, you know, I feel like relatively they were actually pretty healthy last year in the playoffs. So I was, I'm almost thinking you might see the opposite this year. So anything to kind of compensate for that, I guess. Well, first of all, remember that you know with the addition of Jack Johnson that you've now bumped Chad Ruweedle down to number seven. So he's going to be watching games with us up in the press box. So start with that. And then add into this, and I can't emphasize this point enough, they really like this Finnish defenseman that they just signed off the Finnish national team, Yuso Rikola, I asked Rutherford, I think it kind of annoyed him three times in the same interview, if he was serious when he said that this kid can come in and compete right away for a job. Every time it was yes. The third time, <laughs> he got a little annoyed, but the yes was a whole lot firmer. Um, he's, uh, he's a 
decent-sized lefty guy who can move. He's aggressive on the puck. He's aggressive on his skates in terms of jumping into the play. Uh, he's solid all around. Uh, he's not huge, 6 feet, 190 pounds. He doesn't put up great numbers, but he's a guy that they feel can come in and make an impact literally right away, even though he's never played in North America professionally. So they see themselves as having eight defensemen deep. When we come back, we're going to take more of your calls on Hockey 412-333-9939 is the number to call. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to check in with Lance Lysowski of DKPittsburghSports.com out in Cincinnati to talk about Pirates and Reds. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dayan Kovacevic. You're listening to 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, great show as always. When you got a young trophy wife, owes money to... I can't even quote the Big Lebowski right. Goodbye. VX at 105.9. Joining me now live from Cincinnati, as opposed to like tape delay or something, is Lance Lysowski of DKPittsburghSports.com. How are you, Lance? Doing well, waiting out the rain. You should just do like an eight-second delay now, just for absolutely no reason when I ask you a question. <laughs> Like Nick Robertson on the ground from Afghanistan. Uh, what, what, no, I saw your picture on Twitter from out there. It looks like the end of the world. It looks like it's clearing up, but who knows? You know how these things go. <laughs> yeah, I've I've actually sat through a lot of weather delays at Great American Ballpark here. Now that said, you still were able to uh, have access to the clubhouse and Clint Hurdle and everything else. First time the Pirates obviously are back in action uh, since before. The All-Star break, they're playing the Reds tonight, the resurgent Reds, at 7, 10 p.m. Anything new, first of all, like on a newsy front out there? Sean Rodriguez is here. Okay, what else you got for us, Lysowski? (laughs) They plan on activating him. There's no word on what the roster move is. Josh Harrison, who suffered what was described as a hamstring injury before the break, they're being he's being evaluated still, so no word yet on whether he'll be available tonight or that'll like, disappoint probably half the crowd there. By the way, you know that, right? Exactly. Bonita Harrison brings out like half of Northern Cincinnati to these games. Yep, exactly. So we'll see how that goes. Other than that, talking to guys around the clubhouse, they're obviously all eager to get back to work. Everybody wants to kind of feel that feeling that they uh, finally got after that. Win that win right before the break. That yeah. dramatic come from behind win. So, it's a surreal guys, win. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kind of reminds you of 2015 mm-hmm. when they they really got hot before the break. But that team didn't do well right after the break. They they kind of struggled out of the gate. And uh, for whatever reason, these guys are really confident that, that won't be the case this time around. Well, what are the reasons that they're giving? That uh, that. Uh, they're in a good spot. They're all, they're all healthy. People are all hitting well. And the one thing Jordy Mercer pointed to is that those games right before the break, it wasn't as if it was only a few guys who were just hitting well. It right. seemed like every game there was a different guy contributing offensively. The pitching stock came together. The bullpen was pitching extremely well, especially the back-end guys. And so that's a sign of a good team. And, again, I can't disagree, disagree with them there, but – We'll see. It's a really tough stretch of games. You get three in Cincinnati. This team's much better than it was at the start of the season. You got Cleveland for three. You see, I, that that's that's one of the things about this Pirates team, though, is we've seen them get on rolls, including earlier this season when they were facing, you know, really a lighter schedule than what they ended up running into. Is that it feels, at least to me, Lance, like they have to be firing on all cylinders, or they're just not good. 
Like, it, there's not really a middle mediocre ground for these guys. No, because they don't have that huge middle of the order bat right now. I mean, Josh Harrison, Josh Bell, sorry, has really started to produce the past month or so. Yeah. But he's not hitting for power. They don't have that huge power hitter. They don't have a guy who can really drive in four runs with one swing of the bat. They just do a really nice job stringing hits together, having those sort of contagious at bats where a Corey Dickerson gets a two strike hit. It really seems to feed off of that. And again, the pitching staff has been wildly inconsistent. So they've had to score a lot of runs at times. These are some teams that really know how to pitch, though. As much as the Reds have struggled, this pitching staff's gotten so much better. You know what's funny, Lance? As soon as you mentioned Sean Rodriguez's name, like every single person reached out for the radio dial. I was like, that's bad. I want to hear this. And, and you know what? So while you were answering that, I got creative here, and I opened up uh, on the MILB.com page to see how Sean Rodriguez had done in the in this alleged rehabilitation session. And no yeah, and this isn't a shot at, at, at Sean Rod, who I I, I like a lot. It's, it's this could not be more obvious that this was a performance based rehab. And all he did down there was in twelve games, forty four at bats, uh, he hit two twenty seven. So they're just going to go through with this ruse that, that there was something significantly wrong with him, and then he needed a rehab because this is not a bounce back performance of any kind. And talking to Sean just a few minutes ago, he said that it wasn't about his results down there. That's not what he was worried about. That's not what anybody on the Pirates coaching staff was worried about. They wanted him to get that feeling back to the plate that he had back in spring training at times, where his swing looked more athletic. He looked much more like the 2016 version of Sean Rodriguez than the one who played the final couple of months of the season last year with the Pirates. He seems confident that he found whatever was lost. Clint Hurdle is kind of in the wait-and-see mode. He doesn't seem convinced, and you can't blame him. Uh, what you do in a minor league rehab assignment, whether it's that feeling at the plate or what your swing looks like, doesn't mean anything until you come up here, you do it against big league pitching, and there's also the challenge of he's not going to be able to play every day up here. I mean, there's going to be times where he's going to sit for three to four days, and can he continue to have that feeling at the plate that he talked about? Well, you, said he can't, you said he's not going to play every day up here, and again – Lance, every eye, every set of eyes in Pittsburgh just rolled when you said that. You know he's going to play. I don't think he's going to play every day. Well, well, I didn't say every day. He's going to play. Yeah, he's yeah, going to play. They have to. Yes, they're going to play him because they need to see what they have, and at least they want to see what they have. And I'm it's either him or Max Moore up at this point. And Sean Rodriguez is their only option as a backup center fielder now that Austin Meadows is off the roster. They don't have Corey Dickerson can't move over to center. They have no interest in moving Gregory Polanco out of right field again. So, they shouldn't, no. Yeah, and with, I mean, Sterling Marte, he's hitting extremely well, goes into the break with a 12-game hitting streak, leading the league in stolen bases, but they're going to try to be, monitor his workload because remember how many games he missed last season. They need a backup center fielder, and for whatever reason, they didn't think Austin Meadows should be that guy. See, I'm not going to be a, a hypocrite and criticize other people when they when when they spend way too much time talking about Sean Rodriguez, and then I'll end up doing the same thing by asking you a lot of Sean Rod questions, so we can just kind of move on a little bit <laughs> because he's not he's not that big of a deal. It but it still it just looks so bad. You know, over a team that's completely directionless. It's a bad look. With how well Austin Meadows played, I mean, for for the first three weeks he was up here, and then for them to give up on him so quickly. Oh, they didn't give up. They gave up on his Super 2 status. But that's, you know. Neither here nor there. And now you have Jordan Lupo up here, who, again, 
hasn't really done all that much. He's not much of a prospect. I just still don't understand why Austin Meadows, other than let's put the contract stuff aside, why he's not. Yeah, but you can't. But you can't. You can't. No. That, that's that, that's where so many conversations about the Pirates begin and end. Lance Lysowski covers the Pirates and does a really good job of it for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Uh, he is out in Cincinnati hoping to cover Pirates and Reds uh, beginning at 7, 10 p.m., weather permitting out there. Um, Lance, when you look at this team's pitching staff, you mentioned the hitting earlier. Uh, they've been probably the most wildly swinging variable in the equation. They'll tell you that themselves. Um, what would lead anybody to have confidence going into this set of circumstances that they have coming up? The The Reds have three of the top four on-base guys in the National League right now. I don't think people realize that. It's not just Joey Votto anymore. Uh, it's Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker, the rookie. And then they're going in to place the Indians, who are really hot. Uh, what, what should we expect from this pitching staff in this Ohio trip? Can you expect anything different than you got in the first half? I don't think you can. I think Joe Musgrove is going to continue to do what he does, which is he shows you that he has really good breaking stuff. He, he can be a really good starting pitcher, but for whatever reason, seems to falter in that third time through the order, has that one implosion inning where, okay, he might get left in too long, like which, which was the case last time. Yeah, that, that one was more on the manager than him, but yeah, I, I know what you're uh, saying. I think that, but the one thing I think everybody's kind of focusing on the negatives. I think that Jamison Tyone has taken significant steps forward. Look how well he's done since he added the slider in late May. Or Nick Kingham, who's starting to show that he's not the, he might be better than what everybody thought. Everybody kind of forgot about Nick King because of the Tommy John surgery. Sure. He wasn't all that great last year, but he's proving he belongs. The two guys that, of course, that need to be better are Trevor Williams and Novant Nova. They've just been. Too much hard contact. The fly ball rate is up. Avon Nova's a lot of career high hits per nine innings. I think he's over nine this season so far. They need to get softer contact. And just the way the league is changing, I don't know how they change change how they pitch, but they're running out of time because the the Pirates really like Clay Holmes. They like what he's done. I just think with two really good offenses coming up, though, I don't know if you can really expect anything different. Yeah, they just are what they are. This has. This has, uh, I covered the, the San Diego and Los Angeles trip for us, and this to me has that written all over it. I don't want to sit here and forecast doom and gloom, but this pitching staff and the inconsistencies that they've shown, um, they just had a really nice run, so it almost kind of feels like they're due for one that's down a little bit here. Um, Lance, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about anything at all related to trade speculation, trade anything uh, with the deadline coming up. Um, not so much Neil Huntington's position because you can pretty much just file that one in the wastebasket. But what might they actually do? Well, I think that they're definitely going to trade Jordy Mercer. I don't know how they can keep him. And that now that Manny Machado is gone, he's off the market. You have a couple of teams that are in need of a shortstop or even a second baseman or, or a utility infielder. I, I can name the Brewers as one of them. That's one guy who's going to be of interest to teams. Corey Dickerson's going to get some looks. And if I were the Pirates, I would move Corey Dickerson. Yeah, and I would they, 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 would, they would trade Jordy to the Brewers, wouldn't they? You just got me here shaking my head. Do. They actually <laughs> would do that. And I think, honestly, the one thing that you hear what Neil Huntington has said, you look at the players that the Pirates are definitely going to be motivated to trade, including David Freeze. I kind of see them doing what they did last year, 
where they sell two to three players and they add that swing man in the bullpen just to say that they that they didn't completely sell at the deadline. Uh, it might not be Joaquin Benoit, but I can see them getting a controllable reliever. The one I'm thinking of is Jared Hughes, who's under contract for another year and mm-hmm. has a club option too. Somebody who's controllable because those two long men, Tyler Glass and Stephen Brault, have been really bad for the past 30 days, and that's the one thing they've missed in this bullpen lately. Yeah, and there's no question about that. Last question for you, Lance, as you, as you look uh, as you look ahead to the deadline, is there any chance, and I've not heard anything to this effect, haven't reported it, and I know that you haven't reported it, but is there any chance that Felipe Vasquez ends up being a guy that's on the market? Because closers are hot for teams, as we just saw the move that Cleveland made for Brad Hand. Uh, why shouldn't Pittsburgh be pursuing something similar? I think you have to listen. I mean, with what their system is currently and what the type of prospect that you can get for a reliever, a controllable reliever like that, under contract for three more years. You look the at Indians the just did really well in that regard. 15th best yeah. prospect in all of baseball they got. Francisco Mejia, very yep. good catching prospect. I think you have to listen, but they're not going to do it. Neil Huntington's the type of guy who doesn't want to show everybody that he's rebuilding. He hates the term and trading away your closer who is your all-star who's still 27 years old under contract for three more years. I just don't see it happening. As much as it might actually make sense to definitely dangle him out there to see what you can get, because you're fool, you're fooling yourself if you think that keeping him makes sense long term. That's Lance Lysowski. He covers the Pirates and does a really good job of it for DKPittsburghSports.com. Thanks, Lance. Thanks. When we come back, it's our Mike with Bob segment with producer Bob McLaughlin, which yesterday was only the very best thing on the show, so you can't miss it. <laughs> and after that, we'll be taking some of your hockey calls again at 412-333-9939. I'm Dan Kovacevic filling in for Mark Madden. You're listening to 105.9 The X. <laughs> this segment of the Mark Madden Show is the Mike with Bob segment with producer Bob McLaughlin, and that is sponsored always by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. 84 Lumber. Hi, Bob. What's going on, DK? What's going on is... We're manufacturing <laughs> hockey conversation in late July just to show that we can, that you can do this in Pittsburgh. Well, you may have manufactured the first segment, but after that, it flowed quite naturally, didn't it? It felt A lot that of people way. still have some questions about this roster, and uh, me and Mark have gone back and forth in the weeks leading up to you sitting in that chair. And one of the things I'm, ta- I'm questioning is, where are you going to put everybody? <laughs> well, you know, Mark talks about you're not just getting hockey cards. You're putting together a roster, a team. You're putting together four lines. Is that what's happening here? Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I think that they're looking at the roster a little bit differently than the conventional, uh, you know, four line, five on five depth chart. We're talking about forwards here, obviously, right. here, because Jack Johnson's just adding a defenseman in that bumps Chad right. Ruiz. You got defense down already. Yeah. Defense and goaltending are set. So the forwards, I think what they've done here is that they have prioritized the center position from a skill set as opposed to a positional set. They want to have that second body to win that key defensive draw, as one of the callers was pointing out earlier. They want to have lots of penalty-killing options. And yeah, they do want to have... Again, the one thing that you always feel like you have to turn around and find something wood to knock on, Mm -hmm. but they do want to protect, Bob, if Sid or Gino gets hurt. Yeah, but do they, I mean, we've seen in the past where you take somebody who maybe plays the right wing and you put them on the left wing, or you take a defenseman who's better on the left side, you put them on the right side. 
doesn't always work out. I'm, I know that's best laid plans and that maybe they're looking at doing something systematically and then all of a sudden you have a hole, the hole that you have to fill. And when you try and fill that hole, it puts other pieces out of where they should be. You yeah. Know, they tried to play Jerome McGinley here on the wrong I side. I knew you were going to Ginla. I knew it. But you have to. It, <laughs> you it's, have to. It's I a know. perfect example of it. And I don't know whether that was them just trying to put, you know, the round thing in the square hole. Um, or if I, one certain really player did one. bad idea by Dan Bilesma, plain and simple. I, You know, I, I look at this, and I know that Mark's made this point on this show, and he and I have gone back and forth on it uh, repeatedly about just Brian Rust alone going right. from the right side to the left side. He doesn't like it. I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, Phil Kessel is a guy who could easily play the left side if it was from the red line forward. Uh, he's not going to help you at all defensively on the left side. Um, and then you start getting into the question, are you devaluing assets, existing assets, by moving them around like that? It's legit. That said, Bob, you know and I know that the one thing everybody wants to talk about whenever another forward comes in is, does this mean Sullivan's going to bench Sprung? Right. Right? Or where's he going to put him? Where's right. this? I'm telling you, this is the one that's going to knock Sprung off of the depth chart. And the other thing is, <laughs> is he amassing all these pieces so that he can do one more deal? Yeah, because there's that, that too. Because that is in his repertoire. There's I that mean, too. He, you know, how many times has GMJR sprung the trade out of nowhere where people are like, whoa. Yeah, where'd that what? come from? Well, exactly. let's, let's bring that up here because we have pulled off this all hockey show here. At 412-333-9939. Seriously, join in. Anything at all that's hockey-related. And look, if you call about something else, it's not like we're going to slam the phone down on you. But let, let's try to make this work here. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. You're listening to 105.9 The X.